Hello and welcome to the Civics Lab podcast brought to you by the Hatton Sumner's Foundation. As members of the Civics Lab, we are setting out to explore the complexities of modern political, economic, and social issues. On this episode, we spoke with Jay Clayberg, a Democratic candidate for Texas Land Commissioner. Keep listening to hear him talk about his experience running as a Democrat in Texas, how he can win as a Democrat, and why he's the best fit for the job. So when it comes to like the interaction between like you know being a Democrat um, and having a state you know government that is very very conservative, mm-hmm. how would that kind of how would that hamper your effort? In that sense? Yeah, great question. It was the first question that I asked of myself in looking at how would you one how would you win, uh, and number two, if you if you thread the needle and you made it to the Mount, Mount Everest of, of the climb and it's kind of political environment and you're standing there, are you able to actually do anything? And I, I believe that you can. It's a constitutional office. It was actually created in 1836 before the governor's office. So it's independent of other offices and the legislature. The funding sources, a lot of things that I talked about, disaster relief, those are federal funds. That's about 83% of its budget. The, we didn't talk about veterans, uh, homes and, um, and benefits. It's called Le- Veterans Land Board. That actually is self-funded. So, uh, you don't necessarily have to go to legislature for that. And then with the management of that 13 million acres of public land, think about it almost as a, it's a conservation, it's a real estate and it's an oil and gas company. And so you're generating a billion dollars a year. And off that billion dollars, 600 million right now is going or supposed to be going to and the remainder of that, that $400 million goes to fund the agency. So you actually don't have to go to the legislature for much of your budget. And you could actually get some things done. There are boards underneath the general land office, the school land board, and the veterans land board. But the land commissioner is the chair of those. And if you look, if you go back in history, the last Democrat to hold this office, Gary Morrow, what I asked him, asked him the same question, and he held this office under um, Ann Richards and George W. Bush. And he said, I was still able to do what I wanted to do with that office, or at least you know, positive, uh, from a positive standpoint, because it, it is a independent constitutional office. And if there, if there were any, ever any fight over what my authority was, uh, as long as it benefited the, the state of Texas and the people of Texas, I could take that to the Texas Supreme Court and they basically go back to the Constitution and the Natural Resources Code and said every single time he took the, the state essentially to um, the Supreme Court, he won. So, look, I'm not saying that it's that it's going to be a cakewalk, but I actually do think that there are a lot of things that you could do positive for this office and not and do it in an environment that might be more conservative. Yeah, it sounds like it's kind of like, you know, I always make this. A metaphor when it comes to politics um, and just legislation is like throwing a hail mary versus like moving the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it's a few yards, moving the ball is like the objective, right? Like that's how you first down. I, it's like a football level. Yeah. Um, but kind of what you were saying, like climbing the Mount Everest, things like that. Like, how do you think that going to like that D next to your name really can like hamper you, especially in this political environment? 
So how do, how do you kind of plan to um, get past that? Yeah. The way I look and talk about the office is that if you care about land stewardship, if you care about public education, if you care about clean air and veterans and investing in resiliency, then we can have a conversation. And I happen to be a Democrat, but what that allows me to do is to think more um, broadly about what are all the options on the table? How do we address the future? I'm not necessarily hampered by what I would argue are more divisive and um, uh, more singularly focused politics on the right side of the spectrum, that I actually have a lot more options available to me. And that if you look at my history and my professional history and my family's history, that land stewardship is like what we have done for a couple hundred years. And so if I can at least sit down and have a conversation with someone, then they look at what I'm doing and not necessarily are jaded by one party or the other. They realize that I'm doing this for the right reasons. And that if you care about the environment, democratic policies in most parts of the country, and especially in Texas, are pro environment. And those are the things that I care about. Uh, and there are a lot of things I argue that all Texans can agree on. They may not be necessarily voting in the numbers that then reflect those values and their elected officials. But when you talk to people, most of them, whether it's in rural or suburban or urban parts of the state, you can normally have a conversation about eight out of 10 things that you agree on. And with this particular office, there's just so much that I can talk to people about um, that I think is a reasonable approach to, to these issues that I argue we don't have time. We don't have time to lose. We've lost time. And, and if you look at the last 20 years in this office, it's been used as a stepping stone. If you look at where we are now in Houston, that the Housing and Urban Development declared that in denying funds to the city of Houston in the wake of Hurricane Harvey, more than a billion dollars, they violated this those are funds that should be going to Harris County. And those funds don't care whether you're a Democrat or Republican. So my argument to people is we shouldn't be politicizing or, or polarizing some of these issues. Uh, we really should just be doing what's right. When you think about the voter, the Texas voter, obviously the Republicans have done extremely well in maintaining a block of rural voters. And the fact that the Republicans have maintained that, I have argued on this and many other places, that that's how the Republican Party has sustained its um, dominance across the state. We see on local level, Dallas mayors, city council, Austin, Houston, we see mayors that are that are more on the liberal Democratic side. Mm-hmm. But we, on the statewide level, we haven't seen a Democrat in statewide office since, well, the nineties, mid nineties. So how, how do you see the primary that you're currently in and the ability to attract the the voters that are in that primary versus when you get out of the primary and you're running in the general election, how do you see the rural voter playing into this? And how are you, everything that you said right there sounds like a message that rural voters need to hear. Mm -hmm. 
But what they see, many of the rural voters, when you drive around and you're from a rural part of the state, Mm -hmm. I'm from a rural part of the state. When you drive across, when you move out of Austin or Dallas, you see a lot of Trump flags Mm -hmm. and a lot of Republican literature and Republican signs. Yeah. How does the how does the rural voter who's already taking a cue that they're a Republican and they're a Republican and that's it? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you overcome that and make inroads into where I think your best your your campaign can win mm-hmm. in a rural place? How are you how are you doing that? I think that it's having conversations like we had uh, on election day, right? That we happened to see each other at the poll and we didn't know each other. And we started talking about this race and I had conversations with Democrats and Republicans. Cause I don't ask in most cases, like, what are you? We just start having a conversation. And I was in post Texas, which is just outside of Lubbock. And there was a poster on the wall uh, for ranch rodeo in 1987. And I happened to be there and guy behind the counter was kind of looking at me and sizing me up. And I could tell he wanted to ask me some questions, but he just, I told him I'm running as a Democrat for Texas land commissioner. So he didn't seem to have as much interest, but I looked at the poster and I said, you know, I was there, I was a kid. And, uh, he said, Oh, well, I used to cowboy for the JA and the four sixes and all this. So then he comes over and sits down and we start having a conversation about a lot of things that we're talking about here. And um, at the end of it, he said, you know, I just want to get back to having positive, cordial conversations with with people about politics. I know that there's 20 percent of it that we're not going to agree on, but I know there's a lot that we that we do. And I think it's having more of those conversations. I know you, it's a big state, so you can't have those everywhere. But if we can if I can talk to enough people about the things that I think matter to them and that are associated with this office and then answering the questions like you all have, answered, have asked me and saying, this is what I think the, some of the problems are. This is what we haven't been doing. And this is actually what I think we can do about it. Instead of just saying, well, these are the problems and you need to vote for me because everything's falling apart. It's actually providing a solution that I do think human beings, regardless of their party, do react positively, positively to that. And so our strategy is having the same message, uh, not tacking necessarily to the center or to back to the right or left or whatever after the runoff. That what I've been saying, you know, starting in mid-November until today is pretty much the same message that hopefully people see that I'm sincere, that I know what I'm talking about, and that we have built a campaign to win a general election. Uh, not only with we've, we've got endorsements from all over the state. Every single major newspaper endorsed us. That's a pretty rigorous process, most of them. And so I think people know that I'm serious. And if they can suspend belief for one election and we don't have straight ticket voting in, in November and say, you know, back in the 80s, y'all are too young, but, you know, whatever, 10 years ago or back in the 80s that I used to vote for the right person. I used to vote for the qualified person. Now things have gotten so skewed that I can't even like see straight. But this time, I know that this guy will do what I believe is right by the land and by Texans and that he doesn't think in election cycles. He thinks in centuries and multi- multiple generations. I could vote for that guy. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's a, like I said, it's an Everest of a climb. And it's, you're, you're uh, relying on a lot of ifs, but we think that there's a path there. Um, kind of on that, 
when it comes to like primaries and stuff, we see this on both the left and the right, right? Of kind of playing politics and trying to appeal and kind of like get sucked into appealing to the outer reaches of the party. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to like winning that general election, right? I think a lot of times problems Democrats have in more uh, conservative states is that when you get dragged to the left, and then you have to kind of like moderate yourself. And and you know Republicans in blue states have the same issue. Um, and you kind of see like Democrats having statewide office in like a state like Montana with um, John Tester or uh, Joe Manchin in West Virginia. So basically, my question is, how do you kind of basically how do you play that? How do you play politics, and how yeah. how do that do politics come in um, as a factor when it comes to your race? Yeah, I think the fortunate position that. I feel like I'm in is that this office is one that really isn't overly political. Like when most people hear me talk about the position and its responsibilities, it seems like a more like a job and not a, like a policymaking position. And so I don't feel like that I have to play politics necessarily with my positions because generating funds for school children, like I'm going to continue to do that. We should be doing it more responsibly. And there's some opportunities that I think we should be taking advantage of that if one were a Republican, you probably couldn't take advantage of those that were more environmentally responsible. Um, or, for instance, the General Land Office is attempting to lift the protections on the Golden Cheek Warbler here in uh, the San Marcos area. That's just not something that I would do. I wouldn't be suing to release environmental protections on an endangered species mm-hmm. to make a few million dollars. I think there are better ways to do that. And so I'll stand by that in the general. And I don't think that that's being left or right. That's just being sensible Texan. So a lot of the things that we're, that I'm talking about, I really don't, because I've had this question before. I think with this, my the way that I think in, in my positions and the way that I talk about the office, that um, they're good for the environment. They're good for all Texans. They are... There are things that I think when I talk to people about investing those disaster relief funds, like those should be in the ground doing work. That shouldn't be a, a political position. It's just something that I think is right. And, and we're willing to stick by those positions to, to hopefully get out of the runoff. And then I think I can carry that same message into the into the general. Yeah, because it seems like kind of your whole message is like, I know what I'm doing. And like, this is the, this is, that's what you want for someone in that position, right? Like, yeah. That's the whole. And that's a lot. I mean, I'm being serious not facetious. I know that's a lot to ask of voters because in many cases, you may be going to the ballot box to vote for another position. Like, you're probably not overly motivated to go vote for the land commissioner because <laughs> you don't know what it is. And you like may not know who's on the ballot, right? And so I do understand that that is the big lift that we have is educating people about the position and that it doesn't have to be political. Like it, you should just be doing the right thing. And in some cases, those some people might think they're um, risk. It's risky to say climate change, but I don't think it's risky to say climate change because I think it's a fact. And I think there's science to 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 back that up. So, so Jay, an easier route is if you're a Republican. Right. Because you don't have to overcome the voter cue that they down ballot vote differently. So is it is there why not run as a Republican? So to do all the things that we've been talking about in the last 
hour, you have got to believe in what you're doing and you've got to believe in the party that you stand for and by. And that's why I'm running as a Democrat, even though I know that a Democrat hasn't won statewide office in over 20 years. What, what, would be the, what would be the point? You would you would be restricted by what you could actually do, and I think in many instances, like just a lot of the things that we talked about here, um, a a Republican cannot say any of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the party, as I said, the policies of Democrats over the last thirty or forty years, like going back into the eighties, have been very pro-environment, very pro-conservation, and those who, I think in the general, hear how I talk about the environment and conservation and uh, conservation ethic that a lot of your parents and all of us kind of have grown up around, although now it's become more elevated with, with climate change, is it's just caring for and sustainably managing our resources. So one of the questions Another question that I had is, throughout this interview, throughout your campaign, your projects, you focus very much on the position that you're running for, obviously that makes sense, and the issues that it comes with regarding climate, veterans, conservation. However, on, I'm not trying to sound like I'm having receipts, but I, I pulled it up. <laughs> uh, on March 21st, you you tweeted about the 2% mail-in ballot rejections on a national average, and then... 13%, I believe, here in Texas. Yeah. And you kind of stepped out of that framework of the office to talk about voter suppression and voting rights. What made you decide that this was an issue that you needed to step out of that realm and address? Yeah, there, there's some foundational issues that have become democratic issues, but frankly, they should be Texan or citizen issues that why would we want to restrict people's right to vote? Like as a human, I don't know why that makes sense to anybody. And so where there are issues that I think are in violation of our values as Texans first, then I'll stand up and say something because unless people participate in their democracy, then I believe that not just the health of our environment, but the very future of our state are at risk. Because what I see happening right now is that the very soul and the direction of this state are at risk by the leadership that we have right now. And if I have to stand up and say something that may be outside of the purview of the office, then I will do that. I think there are some issues that have been brought in to the purview of this office that are more political that shouldn't be. Even though I've taken a stand on the border wall, for instance, did an entire movie about it. I don't believe that we should be giving up our public lands to build a wall. Regardless of your politics, Like I just don't think that's the values that we share, and I don't think that that's the responsibility of the land commissioner. But we are doing that right now for political purposes. To me, that is an example of stepping outside of your lane in a way that's harmful to all Texans. Yeah, and I think, I don't have to keep harping on this issue, but um, when it comes to, like, say, the general election, say you do win the primary, yeah, but you do kind of have Democrats running as a pack. For sure, know? yeah. And it's like, you have somebody like Beto O'Rourke, right, who's going to be running for governor, and you have him standing on a debate stage and saying, like, yeah, we're going to take your guns. 
And it's like, do you do you think that you almost have to distance yourself from that and kind of run like you've been talking about here, where you're just simply running on the issues and kind of almost shy away from like the statewide democratic politics? Or do you think that I almost you can play both? Does that make sense? You can you can Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. So I happened to be driving into El Paso when that Walmart was being shot up and lived in El Paso about eight years. The reaction that he had is partly like what I'm feeling right now is that if someone, not not because of you, but I mean, because of this issue, that if someone had asked me immediately after so many people were killed from someone who drove to El Paso to kill them, um, I can understand why he said what he said. Um, because he feels so strongly about the city and the, and the people of El Paso. I believe that I've got to help the rest of the ticket. Like I want to get into the general because I do think that I can help the rest of the ticket. I can spend some time in rural Texas and talk about the issues that matter to them. And that I do believe that we all have our individual. I mean, Beto can just bring people out. He's charismatic and he's talking about a lot of things at a broad level that really impact um, all Texans. That someone like Susan Hayes, for instance, the ag, uh, Democratic uh, agricultural candidate, that she's talking about things that I may not get into, like cannabis, just because that's that's her area of expertise and that's specific to the ag, um, the ag commissioner. And Luke Warford, for instance, who's for railroad commissioner that he's talking about the regulatory side of oil and gas uh, and you know how we can sure, secure our grid. So I think I just continue to run my race that I don't necessarily have to distance myself at all from anyone, but I think we all bring something to the table. And I think we're, we, we got to get this runoff, but that uh, my hope is, is that we run as a, um, a group of people who care about the state of Texas, and that's the brand. And as you, once you get, fingers crossed, um, to the general election, I think you're, um, what you're saying is great, and I think your perspective is something we've, like we said, lost touch of almost completely in Texas politics, American politics, um, of, like you said, just being uh, pragmatic, realistic, um, separating ourselves from polarization. Do you think that you will be able in the general election to kind of get rid of a lot of either misinformation or just just unbased anger about candidates like Beto or anybody else running on your ticket? I mean, a lot of that comes down to having conversations and you can only have so many conversations, right? You just don't have the time or the money. A lot of that comes down to how how can you reach as many people as possible to counter any of that disinformation? And so that comes down to fundraising, unfortunately. Um, and I say that unfortunately, because I, I, I wish that we didn't have to raise the money that we do to communicate to people about these elections to get out to vote to begin with. And then about the office itself, but that's just where we are right now. Um, and so I think it's going to take for us just continuing to stay on message about the environment about jobs. I mean, Beto's talking about healthcare and other issues that 
really impact people's day-to-day lives and that that's all that we can do is just continue to stay on message and reach as many people as possible. And my hope is, again, that I can get into some of these more rural areas because that's where I spent a lot of my working career. And not that I don't want to be in the cities, but I think that in a general, that's where more than likely because of money and time and just the expense of having to, to pay for media in those outlets, that's where the top of the ticket um, will probably have more time and resources. And that, I mean, I've told some folks, I got a couple hundred thousand miles on my truck to prove that I spent a lot of time in, the, in rural parts of the state. And that I can, I think, you know, I don't know that we would flip any of those rural counties necessarily, but getting into some places that we were just talking about that maybe are a 70, 30 or 80, 20 Republican Democrat, but they haven't necessarily been able to talk to someone who is saying, look, like these are the confines of this particular office. These are the things that I think that we all care about. And I actually want to do something about them that is what I believe is positive for the future of Texas. And I just, I mean, I don't know. It's like if people are saying bad things about you, you just have to continue to do what you're doing and believe in what you're doing. And hopefully um, that message gets gets across. And we'll have a little bit more runway. I mean, we got to get through this runoff. But then we would have you know, the summer and then going into the fall. And we've had a pretty short window of time to, to communicate to people about what we're doing, which is I'm, I'm happy that you all asked me to do this because as many people as we can reach with just a message, they may, they may not vote for me, but at least they know about the office. Mm-hmm. And that to me is important. listening to this episode of the Civics Lab podcast. Tune in next time for an interesting roundtable discussion on Leah Thomas, the confirmation hearings of Katanji Brown-Jackson, and current debates on states' rights when it comes to contentious and polarizing legislation.